I'm Georgie Florida Cole, the founder and editor of Sherlock, and welcome to today's In Conversation With podcast. I am thrilled to be joined by a well-known British fashion industry face, Laura Bailey. Laura has had an illustrious career spanning decades, both as a model and as a writer. She has been a longtime friend of the House of Chanel and is a contributing editor at British Vogue. She's also a photographer, a collaborator, a champion of British fashion, and possibly the only woman who could make me want to revisit clogs. Uh, basically, <laughs> there is lots to cover. Laura, welcome. I'm so pleased to have you on our podcast. Hi, Georgie. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're looking very glam today. You said you're sort of half in gym kit, <laughs> half in makeup. You had a very... A very glam, smoky eye that you're known for. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not looking too closely. I'm like most people at the moment, kind of a half and half life of doing my best. I have tried to do some exercise. I've taken my daughter to the dentist and school. I'm quite behind on my work and I'm not fully dressed. <laughs> well, you're looking as inimitably stylish as always. Can we go back a little bit? There's lots to talk about. You've got so many hats on at the moment. I'm, yeah. I'm longing to talk to you about beauty about bud which i've only just discovered i want to know mm -hmm. all about that um, but can you just tell us a bit about your career i know that mm. you read english at university and that mm -hmm. you were spotted as a model um in london was was modeling ever a plan or is that just something that happened and how you've ended up here essentially Modeling was definitely not a plan, but it has been the luckiest path to so many diverse creative experiences in my life and one for which I am truly grateful. I grew up in the countryside, a sport-obsessed kid. My passion was sport. My early style desires were very much connected to running spikes and lycra as opposed <laughs> to, to heels or any hint of glamour. For me, really... That moment of opportunity was really a random possible way to pay my rent and travel, which felt amazingly lucky at the time. And one thing led to another, really. It's amazing. You're not the first model to say that. I think a lot of people think of the fashion industry as, as quite superficial, but you do find a lot of hugely, and why shouldn't you, but well-read and very academic and sporty and cultured and really rounded models and Lily Cole and there's you and there's, there's lots of other mm. women who have sort of also ended up down this path and have brought this sort of culture to the world of modeling and this sort of mm. intelligence to the world of modeling that I think is so interesting. Can you tell us a bit more about your career? It's so alien to so many people. I mean, you were spotted on the King's Road in Chelsea. You've had an amazing career. You've worked with amazing brands. Can you share a few moments with us? Because I didn't really believe it or trust it or think it was going to last beyond one job and then the next job and then the next trip. One thing I did do is make sure that I kept writing and kept pursuing my other passions. And that for me has been one of the biggest um, privileges and opportunities is that through modeling and traveling, I got to shoot, I got to write, I got to meet and be inspired and collaborate with extraordinary people. I was never the most businesslike. I never had the most conventional path, but I was soaking up and learning from everybody on my journey. And I think, you know, key moments for me were getting a job in New York and just moving there on a wing and a prayer and staying for six years. That's where I made some of my best friends for life. When I came back to London and the UK, I kind of done my time, my apprenticeship, if you like. I'd started writing 
for Vogue online when it went online. I'd started to kind of join the dots of my creative paths. Do you look back though at New York as, you know, really fondly and, and yeah. as a really key period in your career? Yeah, absolutely. Even though I'd been to university and I traveled a lot and experienced a lot, I was very independent from a very young age. New York, I would say, was my growing up adventure. And I had really extraordinary memories of my 20s there. What was life like in New York? You would say you you live a very sort of frenetic, fast-paced life. What was it like as Mm. a model? Was it lots of parties? Was it very hard work? Was it work hard, play hard? Was it all glitz and glamour? No, it's never all glitz and glamour. It was really hard, really hard work. Definitely fun parties, um, but also quite villagey small life in terms of yeah community feel Mm. like I I lived alone but I had my best friends all in my West Village neighborhood I'd cycle to shoot and I think most models will say you're just kind of in it and you you know the flip side of that is you get used to being a little bit unreliable you know relationships are a bit chaotic but now looking back you know, I'm really well aware of how lucky I was. And, and was there yeah, a it moment was... where you thought, God, I'm really making this now? Was there like a tipping point in your career? No, I still don't. But <laughs> I, um, there's highs, but like in any creative field, there's always lows as well, you know. And I think one thing that came very naturally to me was to live in the moment and take the good stuff and learn, hopefully, from the mistakes or the rejection, which is inevitable in fashion as well. But no, in terms of a, a moment of making it no I mean I've always very much attached an idea of success to my friendships to the places I've seen to contribution I've been able to make however small you know I think back to you know first going to write and shoot in Rwanda and a whole world of documentary photography and travel and environmentalism and thinking this is really through my fashion life that I've got to really dig deep into issues that I really care about I think as I've got older as well it's become more important to me to have a voice to try to be some kind of role model whether that's to my kids or within my local community that desire on my part has definitely been intensified in the last year in terms of the work I'm doing in my own community but that to me is the point of it and having said that Georgie I don't want to deny the fun or the beauty or the adventures or the glamour you know I mean that's a huge part of the world I've been really lucky to make my living in and that inspires me and excites me but for me there has to be a dual path Mm, absolutely no I totally get that um can you tell us a bit about your relationship with the house of Chanel it's it's been going for a while hasn't it how did that come about how have you become so sort of closely tied to to the brand Um, and the house the house of Chanel has really become my kind of home in terms of my fashion life you know it's a relationship I really cherish it's one that's evolved over the years there's a kind of beautiful synchronicity in terms of the way I work which is very cross-pollinated between fashion and imagery and literature and art and the history of the house and so it feels like a very natural and complementary evolving relationship one for Mm. which I'm I'm very grateful I've got to ask you what you thought about um, the most recent autumn-winter show. I thought it was pretty cool. I I thought it was amazing, but I have to be honest, it made me really miss Paris. (laughs) I know, my God, it Um, makes you long for Paris, doesn't it? It 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 didn't just make me miss Paris, it made me miss 
those kind of nights with girlfriends and freedom <laughs> and and spontaneity and joy. And, yeah. I think for me, Virginie as well has brought, brought such a kind of modern, tomboy, mm. cool aesthetic to Chanel. Yeah. It's really the way I wear it. The girls I know want to wear it. It's really inspiring to me and super cool, super modern. I thought it was just so powerful, incredible. Yeah. And as you say, that it could be that relevant today when it's yeah. like a bouquet jacket. How do you make that simple yeah. today? It's insane. Can we talk about your fashion style? I mean, mm. you are that style personified, that kind of mm. modern, cool, chic, glamorous, bit rugged. How have you cultivated that in your own style? Was there a moment when you were like, this is my style? When did you kind of have a clear vision of what was even more than you? And, and how do you decide if something is for you? I genuinely don't think about it very much I'm very spontaneous kind of instinctive person I'm not afraid to make mistakes you know but I do trust my gut and in terms of developing a style you know I really came from a place where everything had to be kind of made or found or scavenged in a vintage market my starting point's always been a thrift hunting aesthetic but maybe with one special piece whether that's a pair of earrings or your favorite boots I'm also a really obsessive person like if I fall in love with something I could easily wear it every day for a month <laughs> I love you know? that and I'm not at all a throwaway person I'm not a faddy person so I know what I love and I know that for me because of the demands of my life doesn't mean that I don't want to be glamorous or stylish sometimes but I also want to be practical and strong and fast you know and I've always been drawn as well to a sporty aesthetic or to like you say a rugged or outdoorsy aesthetic so Mm. you know I love a pair of hiking boots and a barber and I love how do you make that glamorous how do you make that Laura though like I love the clash say with my Alexa Chung barber I wear that over you know, a vintage mini dress or <laughs> even my 12 year old daughter might raise an eyebrow at me, but I, I like things being a bit unexpected and yeah. also just not taking anything too seriously. Like I like to wear a little eyeliner, even if I'm going nowhere, it just makes me feel like me. You know, I, I really feel like, especially in the last few years, I've honed on in on the things that make me feel like me. I want to come back to your eyeliner because I'm dying to know what's got to be a pretty soft black I'm imagining you're going to say we're going to come on to beauty but can we talk a little bit more about what makes up your wardrobe I feel like you've got some amazing knitwear in there and some pencil skirts and what else what else is in there if you were to open your wardrobe and go oh there's lots of that what would there be lots of first of all I'd be having a panic because I'd be trying to clear it up frantically if anybody was looking (laughs) the style is so emotional for me so I'm so lucky to have so many friends in the business whose work I love many of whom I've collaborated with over the years but if I'm honest about my own wardrobe definitely too many jeans I mean it's shameful and really I'm a old Levi's kind of girl but then I get distracted I'm quite ruthless with my charity trips like I'm not a hoarder and I need nothing and I try and keep things relatively pared back you know there's the things that I will have forever and save for my daughter you know my favorite vintage treasures my Chanel maybe for a lot of us that have seen you in campaigns and pictures when you say you're a denim addict that kind of surprises me a little bit yeah I guess pictures I've seen of you is looking more dressed up than that but I think that's probably because it's a myth on the whole if you work in 
fashion, your picture is taken when you are either yeah. dressed by somebody else for a story or when you've kind of maybe borrowed a dress and had your makeup done and been on a red carpet. And so that's not necessarily reflective of real life. And it's a part of life. Real life on the whole is more practical. But, you know, luckily for me, nobody's taking my picture when I'm riding my bike to boxing. You know? <laughs> I, I've heard you talk about your love of tennis whites. I'm sure yeah. you'll be looking for them. Yeah, no, obviously my favourite outfit of all is my tennis whites. <laughs> obviously. You've said, you know, you like vintage. Do you have any tips for people shopping vintage? I saw something, you were sort of combing through the rails of Relic. What tips do you have for people looking for stuff? Because you obviously have an amazing mm. eye. How do you find the good stuff? Do you just know? Um, is it luck? Is it time of the day? when you go in because you know they've got new stock they tip no, you off no I'm a big believer in, in random uh, serendipity so some of the best things I've ever found have been from coming out of a meeting and spotting a charity shop on the corner and just finding that perfect thing and there's two different worlds of vintage in my life one like relic which is a museum somewhere to learn but also you know maybe buy yourself a pair of earrings and have a conversation it's a community archive and history and then there's the other side which is the crazy logo trashy t-shirt that's £2.50 in the local charity shop that just makes your heart sing and I'm completely unsnobby in my in my taste and in my desires and I also Mm. love I can really believe that yeah you know it's interesting my my daughter's very young but her and her friends they're vintage obsessed and that's actually been quite a bonding experience to take her and her friends vintage shopping or to Portobello Market on a Friday. They're mostly interested in vintage sportswear. I love that experience with them. But I also, you know, I love the conversations around style. You know, there is the high of the find, but there's also for me now is like a conversation with somebody that I might have been buying from for 20 years or that, that knows that there's something tucked away that I might like. You know, some of my favourite jewellery even now is from Save the Children charity shop for £5. In the past, before this period, I would it would never have occurred to me to buy vintage online. And then being super aware of how hard it's been for so many businesses and starting to think, actually, it's quite fun to shop in that way now, especially to support local businesses. So in the last year, are you saying you started to buy vintage more online and that's from Relic? Mm. But are there also other places that you're looking? I look at the real real. I look sort of all over the place. I mean, it's a cliche, but I'm a Friday morning Portobello girl. (laughs) I always will be. So, you know, the the fruit and veg guys are there, but I'll be happy when the vintage traders come back in in a couple of weeks. Yeah. On your bike, someone sent me a message on Instagram and said, you know, you have to tell Laura, I see her cycling around Portobello on her bicycle feels like you are really part of that community i'm quite recognizable because of my two beautiful dogs and who are you know much better known than me and (laughs) my girlfriends are now teasing me you know that i'm kind of like the crazy lady on the hill that (laughs) that everybody says hello to but i love that it makes me feel at home it makes me feel rooted in my community you know Um, my granny used to potter around henley with her dog (laughs) at 19 they didn't say she was a crazy lady she said she was that glam lady that just pottered around if that's me i'll be really happy i'll take that laura well let's go with that georgie i like that (laughs) can you tell me this is a real cliche but i've got to ask you yeah Um, what are your what are your favorite three things in your wardrobe what would you say for fire (gasps) 
Okay. Well, there are three things that I just, you know, off top of my head would be 100% my little black jacket by Chanel, which is probably is 20 years old. I still wear it at least once a week. It's kind of the thing I put on where I want to feel more together than I actually am. And it's Mm. become really emotional. If I was doing any kind of interview situation, even if I had my oldest, scruffiest Nike t-shirt underneath, the feeling, the way it holds you is like, is a comfort. And I definitely would hang on to that. I've got Do you try and ration yourself on those really special things because you don't want to... Them, no, or you just like sod it. No, more and more. So you got your Chanel jacket. What are your other two? What do you say? I've got a really favourite old. It was actually amazing. Stella Tennant secondhand Burberry trench, and we were working on a charity project together. And everybody was kind of buying everybody else's stuff. It's a lovely tribute to her and her iconic, timeless style. It's something that I will will cherish Pleasure. and yeah. will will last forever. And I mean, there's, there's emotional jewellery. Solange Azaguri is a really old friend of mine. I was really lucky to be in her campaign a few years ago. And there's a ring of hers called Heart on Fire, which is a beautiful ruby heart with kind of rays coming out of it, which I would definitely be saving. Wow. Sounds epic. I need to Google it. Seems yeah. Heart on um, fire. Yeah. Heart on fire. I will, yeah. I mean, she is amazing. Can you tell me, is there anything you'd really recommend people invest in if they're listening? I mean, obviously you're a big advocate for vintage mm. and for reuse, etc. But if mm. you were going to buy anything new, which we'll do it from time to time, you know, we always talk about investing in a trench. Are there any pieces you would say, oh, that's something I bought and I'm so glad I did because I've used it and used it and used it? Yeah, I've been thinking about these recently. I mean, there are some key things in my wardrobe. I pulled out a pair of white Chanel ankle boots that I must have worn for 20 years. And at the time, I remember thinking, white seems so brave and kind of one night standing. I mean, it's quite brave. Yeah, but I've worn them for 20 years, you know, and I think it's not always the obvious thing. So it's quite hard to choose. I also strip it back to basics. You know, I think it's... I'm really obsessed with the perfect white T-shirt. Are you? Where do you find the perfect white T-shirt? I think it's. I I think it's genuinely different for everybody. Mine is from Frame, which I know is known for denim, but. For me, it's the perfect yeah. white white T-shirt. I also, back to sportswear, I love the classics. I love my grey hoodie sweats by Alex Eagle Sporting Club, for example. I think, mm. I'll, I think I'll wear them for a decade, you know. So it's those things that stay with you mixed up with the more perhaps glamorous options. Mm. But the truth is, the way we live now, you know, my sport is totally mixed up with my work life my life as a mother so I'm looking for things that just make me feel good you know are there there sport brands that you particularly rate I love Ernest Liotti made me rediscover the idea of the catsuit for sport which (laughs) was was definitely an upgrade I'm big fan of Stella for Adidas including for the tennis world I like Les Girls, Les Boys for a more kind of street interpretation of yeah. sportswear. But, you know, I'm sort of blushing here because I also know, you know, we're now in a very circular economy in my household in the sense that I'm stealing my son's skate hoodies. 
Then my Love daughter's it. stealing my tennis kit. So that every day there's a kind of, have you got, have you got, have you seen? And they Love all. That. <laughs> Love that. My daughter, my eldest child is 10. So I'm, you're a little bit ahead of me, but not much. And uh, yeah. it, it's just, it's sort of lovely. I know I won't find it lovely when my things go missing, but it's. No, I don't, I, I don't um, mind at all. I don't mind at all. I love and, it, actually. And, and I want to ask you, as a mother and a model and a mother to a daughter, I guess, in particular, mm. what's your narrative, if you don't mm. mind me asking, with mm. her about fashion? And I was really interested that you said her and her friends are looking for kind of vintage sportswear and because you know fashion it, it gets a bad rap especially with teenagers and the pressures on your looks etc etc and social media how do you approach that with your daughter in an intelligent from a cultural standpoint do you know what the truth is georgie we have really really fun conversations because my daughter is very outspoken. She's very um, judgmental. <laughs> and I think her and her friends and her generation, they're way ahead of the game. The only style conversation that, as I said before, that they're excited about is the vintage conversation or, similarly to me, the sports kit. My daughter, Tiger, is quite interested in accessories, quite a lot of accessories. And I just love it. You know, the layers of chains, there's a padlock on a chain. You know, there's all kinds of things going on. But I, I love the creativity. You know, I was told, you know, when we went in for the strange, surreal COVID testing before schools reopened, I was told, you know, with a kind of hiss to take my shades off. You know, I wasn't even aware that I was wearing my shades because I'm always wearing my shades. But, you know, there's a kind of newfound sense of embarrassment, which I know is totally half of the course. But I think... Even with you as her mother. I'm obviously extremely embarrassing. (laughs) I'm very much enjoying this moment of kind of a little bit of rebellion, a little bit of sharing, a little bit of eye rolling. It's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, in terms of how you frame it, I just try to, you know, I have a very modern village sisterhood of influences in in my kids' lives. So they definitely... Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah they definitely get a lot of different voices. An eclectic mix. I can mm-hmm. imagine. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> um, can we talk about beauty, Laura, and your yeah. regime and the products that you swear by? And I yeah. want to get back to that black coal. I know it's going to be a Chanel eye pencil that you're wearing. I want to know your tips and tricks. What's your approach to your own beauty, your own regime? Well, speed, number one. I have a few strange tricks Maybe I've said this before, but I like even when I'm shooting, even when I'm modeling, I've always had this thing about morning after kind of feel. So I don't like anything too perfect. My favorite makeup is to kind of do it not perfectly and then maybe make the kids tea and then maybe have a shower. And then, and then that's when I like my makeup. I like things scruffy, sunken, and I like character. It doesn't actually matter whether I'm messing around at home or going out. It's pretty much yeah. a more intense version of, of what I do every day. I, I do use a Chanel waterproof long lasting eyeliner because it's not that I think I'm going to be crying or sweating particularly. It's just that I like the idea that it's really there. I need to know, Laura, is it in black? I need, yeah, I need yeah. that eyeliner. It looks like the perfect softness. Yeah, no, it is. And I also like, you can use it either as a fine catty line or mm. just 
smudge it in. And when I say smudge it in, I mean that can be absentmindedly rubbing your eyes. You know, it's not, (laughs) it's not like a technique, but I try different things. I'm very lucky to have friends in the business. You know, Charlotte Tilbury's feline flick is amazing for, you know, for a fine, flick you know I like quite a bare face so I'm not afraid to make a statement with an eye or a cheek do you put anything on your skin your skin always looks amazing but and and your eyes are definitely the focal point as you said yourself but do you put anything yeah onto your skin I, I, I don't for every day but if I am in a more public work situation then I use the Water tint by Le Beige by Chanel because it's not a foundation. It's just really a glow. I mean, everything that I'm attracted to in skincare is like a sun-kissed glow, like a little bit of highlight, a little bit of radiance. I, I've always kind of avoided a kind of look, a face of makeup because I love the look of bare skin. I love freckles. I love imperfections. To me, that's more interesting. Are there um, any other Chanel products you swear by? From the sublimage range. I have not got the professional language, Georgie, but it's like a, <laughs> it's like a dab, yeah, dab, dab, high on the cheekbones. And it's okay. just, it just does something. I don't know what, but on the whole, I want to look bare face, but better, but with an eye. You're also known for your hair. Someone else said it was just like, oh, ask her about her hair. <laughs> I mean, I am like Rapunzel. My hair started off Quite a lot shorter than yours would have pre-lockdown. How are you coping with your hair in lockdown? I know you're a Josh Wood girl. I'm a Josh Um, Wood girl forever. What are you you doing right now? How are you coping? And any hair tips? How do you create that perfect rugged ponytail, for example? Yeah. What are your hair tips and tricks, please? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, I'm going to say... You know, complete honesty. I definitely have had the odd trim on shoots. You know, it has been legal to work yeah. on safe sets. So I'm not going to pretend that my hair hasn't been touched. You know, I feel incredibly lucky to have worked as hard as I have throughout this period. So I've definitely been on controlled safe sets. Mm-hmm. In terms of color, I again feel quite lucky that I really like a kind of grungy root. So even though I'm longing to see my beloved Josh, I'm really okay with the in between. And, and funny enough, even though, you know, Josh is one of my best friends, we used to live together and, you know, I love his. Oh, he came on our show the other day. He was amazing. He's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And I love his products, but he also knows that I am very low maintenance. So I'm not the one like, (gasps) let me in the door. You know, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see the team. I can't wait to have a treat, but I'm cool with au naturel. Josh and I go way back. We've had such a sweet ritual through this whole period. I think we've made Maybe miss two Sundays, but every Sunday evening we have a glass of wine and do the Guardian crossword together. <laughs> and it's just, it started off because we, you know, we missed going for a drink together and not everything, but there's a few things that become your new routine, you know. Yeah. And Sunday evenings are for, for Josh and I. And through things like that, through those kind of rituals, you know, my key friendships have, if anything, intensified. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally a Josh Wood girl. <laughs> you wear so many hats. And I mean, you are also an incredibly talented photographer. Can you can you tell us a bit about that? I mean, it's fascinating. And again, it's kind of a fairly well trodden is maybe over the top, but it's a path, isn't it? From model, mm. you know, in front to behind and, and why you love that so much. Yeah, m- my move to behind the camera over the last few years has been such a 
creative joy. I, I'm not going to lie. And a lot of that is thanks to my brilliant friend and collaborator, Kathy Castorine, who most people, you know, will know as a brilliant stylist. And she really has pushed me and supported me through this transition. And, and I've been shooting some really exciting projects over, over the last few months in and out of lockdown from shooting Francesca Hayward of the Royal Ballet, making my first film and getting to shoot many other women who really inspire me and kind of taking everything that I've learned, not just about the creation of the image, but how that experience should feel. And for me, in every single part of my creative photography experience, from the casting to the you know, I'm going on a big recce next week. I can't wait for the recce. I love a recce. Mm. <laughs> I love the imagining and planning and casting mm. and collaboration and the, and the teamwork on the day and that connection with the talent. And it feels like a real 360 moment for me. And I'm, I'm really excited about projects I've, I've got coming up. It's been a really interesting journey creatively, but especially in this period, it's been very, very exciting also to, get out of the studio to do some more intimate projects. And that's another thing perhaps worth touching on. I feel like, you know, most freelance creative, it's like, okay, the next job and the next job. And it's like you're kind of brainwashed into just saying yes. And I think this period for me has definitely given me, although I've worked, if anything, more intensely, it's definitely given me time to reflect on my choices and to almost like safeguard my time out, my creative time, my dreaming time as much as my on set time. And if people listening want to see it for themselves, where can they mm. look? Where, where can they see Laura Brady, the photographer? You know, I've been very lucky to have a portrait or two published a month in, in British Vogue, usually of young talent. But my website, laurabailey.com, has a just small curated selection of my portrait work. And I'm trying to keep it all quite low key. And, you know, my other love is travel and documentary photography. Mm. And so it, it might not be what you're expecting, but I'm just really interested in the relationship with the, the subject and pushing myself. Amazing. You are also working with Bud. Can we talk about Bud? How did that come about? It has been a total labor of love and passion and basically Kathy who I mentioned before Kathy Castorine mm -hmm. and I have both been long-term fans of Bud we went on a trip to Scotland last year and she gave me a pair of pajamas as a thank you and I loved them and we got obsessively talking about menswear and pajamas and tailoring and Bud and the pajamas that she gave me were by Bud and one thing led to another and we ended up coming up with this very tight capsule collection which is basically the iconic Bud shirts reimagined for a woman and that's just very subtle tiny tweaks and we were so lucky to work with the bud team they make everything in the uk when i first went to bud they've got a tiny store off piccadilly it reminded me of when i first went and worked in rome and there'd be a store that just sold stockings you know those absolute yeah. jewel of a craft craftsman store yeah, yeah. yeah. and okay. and so we went on this journey we're now working on part two and it's just been a joy and it was kind of when you know both of us were at full capacity and we probably shouldn't have done another project but we just fell in love <laughs> mm. it's an amazing match an amazing collaboration i don't know where it's been all my life i, I literally think it's <laughs> 
brilliant. The Penny, the Frank. Thank you. There's a George, I think, isn't there? Which is, yeah. yeah anyway, I literally yeah. love it. Thank love you it so all. much. You know, it's made to last literally forever. It's made with that degree of care and luxury. Yeah. It's a long game, definitely. Yeah. We're playing a bit of a long game right now, aren't we? Uh, today we had some pretty gloomy news in the UK that travel is not looking yeah. as imminent as we'd hoped. You, yeah. you are a lovely of travel. Yeah. Uh, how are you coping without traveling? You know, you've linked it to your work and you, you've been to yeah. different places. Are you, yeah. are you just frustrated? I know you're massively part of the community and huge lover of London. Have you just sort of got comfortable with that? How have you stayed sane in the last year? Um, I mean, truthfully, I have mixed feelings. I, I can't wait to plan. And, and also my heart breaks for the travel. You know, I've got so many friends yeah. that work in the industry as well. Yeah. And hopefully it's not too long. On a more positive note, I, you know, I'm not somebody that's, oh my God, I've got to get out of town. I never get bored of London. I'm always exploring. I'm always taking a different route on my bike or with my dogs or with my kids and a joy in the idea of exploring the UK more. You know, there's places I want to go, but my main concern isn't for me. I'm so lucky to have traveled so much and I know I will again. It's, it's more, that I just can't wait for anything, everything to get back to normal for those that are struggling and to survive and to for all the staff and families that rely on travel for mm. their living. I think I or we will travel more consciously with more purpose. You know, I'm definitely thinking more than I used to about where I want to go, where I really want to go, what I really want to experience, how I want it to feel rather than the kind of what I might have done before, what yeah. might be on the kind of fashion path I'm definitely thinking more along the lines of you know maybe I want to see Mexico City with my kids you know I want to do things that really count count yeah yeah Laura you are the soul we all want to emulate and you know the mother we all want to be and you have all the qualities that that make you you know the role model that you are today I can't thank you enough for your time uh, you're hugely inspiring you've been very generous with your time and it's been wonderful to chat to you thank you so much for having me Georgie and your whole Sheerlux team thank you so much pleasure thank you thank you it's been a joy that's it to say if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe tell your friends uh, tell them to listen to and we'll be back soon thanks very much bye bye